The America's Quarterly Podcast is sponsored by The Boeing Company. Boeing supports the commitment of Latin America's aviation industry to reach net zero by the year 2050 by using advanced technology, operational efficiency, and critically, scaling up the use of sustainable aviation fuels. Boeing has led this effort by committing to certify its aircraft to fly on 100% sustainable fuels and welcomes recent commitments by airlines in the region to increase their use. Welcome to the America's Quarterly Podcast. I'm Brian Winter. In the past year, Haiti has lived through the assassination of a president, an earthquake, tropical storms, and an exodus of people. In today's episode, an overview of where the country stands today and possible paths forward. It is a long, simmering crisis. And you can't just resolve it in just a few months, as the crisis has shown. It is a Haitian problem, and it is up to us Haitians, civil society, and the political class, and the population to find our solutions. Haiti is back in the headlines again, with consequences not only for the island nation of 11 million people, but also for the United States, Chile, Mexico, and countries all over the hemisphere that have received members of the Haitian diaspora. Indeed, Haiti is expected to be a key topic as presidents gather at the upcoming Summit of the Americas in Los Angeles in early June. Our recent special report of America's Quarterly, dedicated to the summit, includes a detailed look at Haiti's agricultural sector and what it might take to help it thrive. But if you're like me, you're not following Haiti on a day-to-day basis, even if you know it's important. So today on the AQ Podcast, we'll try to give you a clear-eyed 30,000-foot view of the latest in the country's political and economic crisis and illuminate a possible road ahead. Our guests to help us with all that is Monique Klexa, a journalist based in Port-au-Prince, a former UN official, and a member of the Commission to Search for a Haitian Solution to the Crisis, a group which created a blueprint of sorts for a possible exit from the recent instability. Monique, welcome to the AQ Podcast. Thank you very much. I'm very honored to be part of the podcast. Monique, uh, Haiti has been through a lot in recent years. The previous president, Jovenel Moise, was brutally assassinated in July 2021. He was replaced by Ariel Henry, a now 72-year-old former neurosurgeon, as Haiti's head of state. With backing from the international community, including the United States, Henry vowed to quickly guide the country toward new elections. Uh, But here we are today, and there is still no date for those elections contributing to a climate of uncertainty, as well as recent political violence. So, Monique, I I was hoping that you could give us a sense of life on the ground in Haiti right now. What's it like to live with this kind of political uncertainty? Well, uh, to respond properly, the problem of Haiti is not an electoral problem. So, uh, vowing to realize quick elections is not the solution. 
Now, what exactly is the problem and the situation? We have been in crisis since 2018, meaning about four years. So it is not a quick fix that can resolve the issues. There are many crises encapsulated in one. It basically is an existential crisis, whereas you have all the institutions of Haiti falling apart. All the markers are moving. So you have a constitutional crisis. There is a social justice crisis also. There are people who are not able to get food. You have about half of the population now that is going hungry. You have a health education crisis, whereas the state is unable to provide services for its citizens. You have what I called an institutional crisis, whereas the former a president a, who was assassinated was trying to put institutions under his thumb, like the police a, department. You also have a huge security crisis. The fact that a president can be assassinated in his own bedroom with not one shot fired by his security guard. That is one example of it. But we also have, for example, since last June, the southern part of the country is broken off from the capital city and the northern part because there are gangs that have taken over the southern entry to the city. So there are four geographical departments that are cut off from the capital and the north. Now, ever since the 24th of April, there are gangs fighting in the northern part. There is like maybe about five, ten miles from the Port-au-Prince city, you have other gangs that have gotten into it. So the northern part now of the country is cut off from the capital city. So that is the general situation in terms of the security crisis. Monique, you mentioned 2018 as the real start point of this latest wave of problems. I have to say, for people of my age, I'm 44, by the way, Haiti came to my attention after the terrible earthquake that shook the country in 2010. What was it about 2018 that uh, triggered the current moment, and how does it continue to impact the crisis today? Okay, 2018, July, exactly, you had thousands of youth who took to the streets. It was, I believe, during the World Cup, and President Moïse raised the price of a fuel. And the youth took to the streets to say no. They could not accept that increase. Why? Because they pay 
the public transport and public transport was going to raise their prices. In addition to talking about the fact that they had no health care, they talked about the fact that they couldn't get jobs, they couldn't get professional training. And one of the things that I think was important that I heard was that the country was also theirs. And they felt that Jovenel Moïse was acting as if it was his country and not everybody else's. 70% of Haiti's population is under 30 years old. So they were sending a clear cry that they're not being heard and they want to be heard. And they have specific things that they want government to listen to. They want jobs, they want education, they want healthcare, they want professional training. And I think if you link that to later migration and even prior migration right after the earthquake gives you an idea of what Haitians were asking for. And there, it's a clear social justice agenda. Now, a few weeks after that, you had the, what they call the anti-corruption agenda that erupted when Haitians found out that close to four billion Petro-Caribe dollars was stolen. They were stolen by the people who were in power. It's interesting as someone who follows Latin America to hear common threads with stories that we've heard elsewhere. You have a, a young population with high expectations, demanding change, demanding greater social inclusion. The outbreak of corruption scandals, which were, you know, a common theme throughout the region in the 2010s. And then a leader in Moise who, prior to his assassination, was unable to meet the demands of society and also applying, uh, according to many people, an increasingly heavy hand in response. Yes, very much so. And I think in addition to that, we must say that Moise was not alone because Moise he was in a way imposed by the previous president, Michel Martelly. So it is not only a Jovenel Moïse, it is the regime. Yeah. Monique, you, you mentioned migration, and this is a subject, of course, of interest around the Americas, as I mentioned in the introduction. And it's a, a issue being faced by many countries. I mean, nearly... 59,000 Haitians, many of whom had spent years in Chile or Brazil, applied for asylum in Mexico last year. That was a, a tenfold increase from the year before. The United Nations also says that the number of Haitians trying to reach the United States by boat have, quote, increased dramatically. Uh, we all saw this dramatic incident last year of Haitian migrants gathered under a bridge in Del Rio, Texas, which is 
my home state and the abuses that some and violence that some suffered as the authorities tried to clear that space. I mean, I, I guess the reason we're seeing this surge in migration right now is is exactly because of these political and economic problems that you're describing. It is. Now, if you can't feed your population, you can't clothe them, you can't send them to school, you can't give them jobs. Obviously, there has to be an out. And the out for the youth, and which is very unfortunate because they are the ones that are the future of Haiti, but they are the ones who are strong, who can go through the misery of going from Chile up all the way to the United States. So migration is an out. Migration is a solution that they see because they don't want to die here in the hands of gangs or in the hands of government, which is not providing services for them. And it is a predatory state that is stealing from you, basically. In discussions about Haiti, Monique, the question is often asked, what can the world do to help? That's a fraught question for reasons that we'll get into in a moment. But before we do, I want to talk about efforts inside Haiti to try to find a solution to this crisis. Now, as I mentioned when I introduced you, you are part of a group, a commission, that is considering and has proposed a possible way out of this crisis called the Montana Accord. The accord addresses the need to combat violence and corruption, and among other things, outlines a two-year transition timeline that would likely put off elections until 2023. That's at odds with calls from the United States and others for a more rapid move to fresh elections. Until then, the accord envisions a transitional government led by Fritz Jean, an economist and the head of the Montana Group, that would include an interim prime minister and interim president alongside a large transitional council. Now, Moni, can you explain to this why this approach is better than some of the other proposals out there and whether it has a realistic chance of making things better? Thank you. The Montana Accord comes from a long process of consultation of different sectors of the society because all the institutions, judicial, a legislative, and executive have fallen apart in a way, we had to find another kind of social compact. And what we did in terms of the civil society was meet with different sectors to come up with a way out of this crisis. There is, first of all, the governance part, and then there is the social justice part, which is trying to respond to the what we were hearing on the streets. And what is the idea behind that? It is that because it is a Haitian problem, you must find Haitian solutions. The solution cannot come from elsewhere. Let me ask you just, Monique, a question. Who composes this commission? Who forms it? Is it an opposition group or is it something else? 
it is a civil society initiative because for three years we watched as the country kind of fell apart and as protest kept on going on. We are concerned citizens that came together to say, let us find a solution. And the first thing we did was try to talk to every political group that exists in Haiti and also try to listen to various civil society groups to find out what they believed were the issues, what they believed were the solutions, and how they envisioned. And so do these proposals have a chance at implementation? Has Ariel Henry, the effective ruler of the country, said what he thinks about these ideas? He has not said really what he thinks of these ideas, but I think we are used to people in power not listening. And I think that is part of the essence of the problem of Haiti. Ariel Henry, who does he listen to? Ariel Henry listens to the people who put him in power. And it is the international community. It is now Joe Biden, uh, Brian Nichols, Anthony Blinken. And so we are in a situation where we are talking now to the Americans and to also the international community because they are the ones that Ariel Henry listens to. Well, so let's talk, Monique, about the U.S. government's role in this. They have called for a path towards elections. And I'm quoting here, you mentioned Brian Nichols, who's the Assistant Secretary of State for Western Hemisphere Affairs. Um, he has called for the, the restoration of democracy. He's also said, and I quote, the only way we get out of this is elections and a new government. We need the people of Haiti to democratically select their leaders. You know, I mean, what else do you think the U.S. government and the international community as a whole can do to help Haiti get further down this road to having first a date for elections and then actually holding elections that are free and fair. Yeah, but it begs the question, is it up to Brian Nichols to tell us what we need? So that is also an important question and also shows the hand, the heavy hand of Uncle Sam on Haiti, again, not listening to what we need. Now, of course, Haitians want elections, but we want elections that are fair. We want elections that are honest, and we want elections that are secure, nonviolent. I cannot go to the supermarket, Brian, and how can I go to elections? because they're shooting all over the area. How can we do this? What we need first is security. This is what Haitians are asking. The second thing, we need ourselves to say, yes, we can organize elections, but not elections where government is in cahoots with the gangs. So what the international community should do is not push us. Listen to us saying, let us pause. Let us hit 
a pause button so that we can see what is going on so that we can then find solutions to the gang crisis so that proper, free, nonviolent elections can take place. Final question for you, Monique. The international community has a long history of trying to help Haiti, uh, going back to the 2010 earthquake and beyond. Sometimes the intentions are good, but it has been amply documented that the world has often made matters worse. There is an opportunity coming up with the Summit of the Americas, uh, gathering leaders from around the hemisphere in Los Angeles in June to discuss the major issues in the hemisphere. And I, I know that Haiti is, is very high up on that list. What would you like to see come out of that meeting, not just from the United States, but from other countries around the hemisphere? Is there a role for the world to play that could actually make things better instead of repeating some of these errors of the past? I believe that uh, in the summit of the Americas and beyond the summit of the Americas, what we want from the international community is really a hands-off approach where they listen to us, they understand us, and they let us find our solutions. It is a Haitian crisis. And every time the international community has meddled, it has come to what Brian Nichols called the sad story, to quote from what he told us in January. So yes, there is a role for the international community, but it is not a hands-on role. It is a role to listen to us and to accompany us in the solutions that we find. And it is difficult because they are so used to interfere. It will take some time. It is not an immediate crisis. It is a long simmering crisis. And you can't just resolve it in just a few months as the crisis has shown. You must take the time for Haitians to talk to each other, to learn to trust each other, and to learn to find solutions together. And we have a roadmap for that. Well, Monique, on that note, thank you so much for joining us on the AQ Podcast. Thank you so very much. It truly was an honor. Thank you for listening to the America's Quarterly podcast. You can read more at americasquarterly.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a review and a rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is produced in partnership with Human Group Media. Our producers are Benjamin Russell and Fernanda Uriegas. America's Quarterly is an independent, not-for-profit publication of America's Society and the Council of the Americas.